to the ether today is monday december 19th 2022 today on the ether cosmos spaces the quicksilver mainnet launch celebration and ama let's take a listen hey guys just gonna play some music and slowly let people trickle in and wait for uh vish from quicksilver and i'll play some music in the meantime because it's a new feature on twitter spaces and i think y'all will enjoy that while we wait Hello, Vish. How's this going? Hey, hey. Good. How's it going? Is it Vish or Vish, the pronunciation? Uh, it's, Vish. it's Vish. Vish. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Vish. Sounds good. Sounds good. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Vish. Yeah, good. Good. Uh, what about yourself? Good. Glad to have you. I think uh, this is an exciting spaces to host. Uh, and we're honored to uh, celebrate the mainnet launch alongside uh, Quicksilver, as well as to be one of the Genesis validators. We're honored and very grateful. Yeah, I mean, uh, thanks a lot for the kind words. Yeah. It's been a long journey, and yeah, but really glad to have you guys here on the set. I'm uh, joined here today with the co-host Delray from Staken. Uh, I just wanted to mention that, and we're going to wait a couple more minutes, I think, before we get started. I feel like there's going to be some more people that will trickle in as uh, the next couple minutes go by. you have anything to say? Delray? In the meantime, can, yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, Martin, yes, I will go ahead and, and say a few words. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Del Rey. I work for Staking. It's a validator in, in, a, bu- in a bunch of Cosmos ecosystem networks and beyond that. I work with uh, content, I work with community, and also with uh, great people like uh, Cosmos Spaces. Uh, we also are a Genesis validator on Quicksilver, and, and we're very happy that you were uh, that you managed to launch Vision. I'm happy to, to share the stage with you today. Looking forward for our conversation. Thanks, yeah. Uh, likewise, look forward to, to the chat. I'll give a brief introduction of myself, too. Uh, this is Martin O'Grady. Uh, I will work for the Cosmos Spaces team. Uh, brief summary of what we do for anyone that's not aware, although I'm sure many of you are aware. Uh, I will give a friendly reminder. Uh, we validate across nine different chains. Uh, currently, we're in the Atom inactive set. So if anybody wants to show us some love, it would be much appreciated. We also validate on Osmo, Juno, Evmos, Nom eMoney or NGM, Dig, Comdex, as well as Quicksilver. And we also offer many different spaces to educate the community, including boot camps or interviews, AMAs, such as the one tonight. Uh, We also build some cool tools like the Cosmos Spaces calendar for all spaces related to the Cosmos. We do have all those tweets 
available on the Cosmos Spaces Twitter. And if you're not already in the Discram or Telegram, please join and say, stay subscribed for all our latest updates and news. And I think without further ado, we can uh, slowly get into this space. And as more people come in, the, the crowd will get bigger. And uh, I don't think we should wait any longer. We're like about five minutes in. So uh, we covered our intros. And one more time, I just want to say congratulations to the Quicksilver team on mainnet launch. This is huge news. Uh, I know you guys posted that it was smooth, but I would love to hear from uh, one of the co-founders themselves. How was Genesis launch from your words? Yeah, no, it was, it was really nice. Uh, it was very smooth, like much smoother than uh, we expected. I think we barely had to wait any time before you know, all validators could come live. Uh, so yeah, that was a, a pleasant surprise. And yeah, I guess ever since then, there's been no issues, blocks being produced validators are joining uh the set i think we started with 105 validators now there's 125 uh, which i think is the gap as of now so that's all filled and yeah uh, going good so far uh and i think today we put put out a proposal which is the first pr proposal of the chain uh to onboard like cosmos hub as the first zone uh, for liquid staking so yeah that's also uh, something i'm excited about but, yeah a quick round of applause that's a, a lot to accomplish i know your team had set out to uh, launch mainnet earlier in the summer uh we were wondering what were the biggest challenges you guys faced on your way uh to launch during some of the delays that you guys had keeping security uh, at the top of your priority list yeah so i guess like you know there was a lot of testing to do for us uh, and you know it's something we had committed to like uh, we really wanted to bump up test coverage uh, at a substantial level. Uh, so that was one whole element of it, you know, us delaying launch and testing more thoroughly. Uh, the second sort of challenge we also faced was building out more features. You know, as we promised the Quicksilver protocol, you know, we promised things like signaling intent, right, where users would be able to signal which validator they'd like to delegate to. Uh, you know, we realized that pieces like this are much more complex and they look on paper uh, and they require like a lot of testing. There's a lot of dependencies, right? How do you, like what happens when you unbond? How does the intent change and things like this? So we really need to make sure that all of these scenarios were covered for. Um, so we thought, hey, you know what? Let's just test this more before we get it out. Uh, and the third sort of challenge was also that the infrastructure for liquid staking wasn't fully in place. Uh, you know, there was no LSM at that point and now. Um, so people had to unstake in order to delegate to a liquid staking protocol. And there were no stable swap pools. Uh, you know, this means we'd be giving out potentially like 50, 60 times the amount of incentives for the same amount of liquidity, right? which is hugely inefficient uh, and not great for the quick token at all. Uh, so stable swap was something that we also wanted uh, you know, wanted to be there in the ecosystem before we launched. So yeah, so these are some of the things we were juggling around. And you know, the best thing to do was, hey, you know, there's no rush. Uh, you know, these things will come around in the ecosystem. We can keep testing. Until then, we can keep building out some of the features that we promised and uh, sort of get there when all these things arrive. Hey, yeah, that, uh, oh, sorry, Martin. No, no, go, quickly, ahead, go ahead. Can you go over about what are 
stable swaps maybe briefly how they work yeah so stable swaps essentially to put it very simply um is like a amm curve uh, on, on say some decks like osmosis which lets you which, which lets two assets it, it essentially sets a price range between two assets um that you cannot trade beyond that price range i don't know traditional decks you you can trade at any price range which means that as we incentivize and say the osmosis community incentivizes you have to incentivize at every single price range uh, for a trade to be possible at at any price right because you have to account for that but a stable swap pool sets a very specific price range now for a pool of two stable coins that would essentially be one dollar and maybe 10 percent plus or minus discount right uh, so stable swap pools for liquid stake assets work in a very similar way you have q atom atom and there is a price range that's set uh, and this range sort of evolves evolves as q atom accrues value um, so yeah so this essentially ensures that we can only incentivize at that price range uh, to make sure trades only happen at that range this obviously promotes stability in terms of the price of the token uh, and it also it's also much more efficient on the incentives level uh, if you look at staked eth right which is a staking derivative which has been around for a long time most of its liquidity exists on like a curved stable swaps so it, it's actually it's very crucial to get it's very crucial to for stable swaps to support liquid staking liquidity got it I saw Eric just joined us as another co-host. If you want to introduce yourself or say a few words, Eric, uh, now is your chance, and then we can keep moving forward. All right, thank you, Marty. Um, yeah, just Eric here from Cosmos Spaces. A little under the weather, but I'm pushing through. Um, thank you, Vish, for for joining us. Um, really excited that you guys made it to mainnet. I know it's been a long time coming, but I'm so happy that you guys decided to do it the right way and just you know not rush anything so um i'm excited to learn more a little bit more about quicksilver and a little bit more about who vish is yes and uh speaking of that i wanted to dive into some more uh, generic questions before we get technical um on that topic uh who is vish <laughs> yeah i guess like a quick intro from myself uh, I'm Vish. I'm one of the co-founders of Quicksilver. I mainly do business development, product strategy, things like that. Uh, I have a background in research. Uh, I used to work at Chorus One, which is a you know pretty big validator in Cosmos, uh, and I was essentially doing liquid staking research there, right? Um, uh, and yeah, that, that's me. I have a background in economics before that. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, Vish, and then you know from Working on liquid staking research in Chorus, I thought, hey, you know, let's let's build this liquid staking protocol. And and at Chorus, I met Joe and Roya, like my other co-founders, and they were also like super big into Cosmos, working on stuff there. So we thought, you know, this was the right possible direction for us to take. That's interesting. Uh, were you one of the team members that attended Cosmoverse? No, I, I actually couldn't make it. I had I had visa issues with Colombia, and that sort of. Oh, that's uh, too bad. Yeah, yeah. 
Were you able to follow along on any of the presentations? Did you listen into any of the uh, day one through three events that happened? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I did briefly listen listen to them, watch the the YouTube highlights later on. But yeah, that's about it. I was curious. Did you have a, a favorite position, and if so, uh, which one and why? Uh probably wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> did, the, did the liquid staking panel intrigue you at all yeah the liquid staking panel was, was very cool i think it was the first time at least well, you know when quicksilver participated uh you know all liquid staking protocols sat sat down and had a chat that's really cool i think and we should definitely do more of that you know i, I would like I, I would like to ask about liquid staking uh it's definitely a topic that we talk a lot in the ecosystem. Uh, and what it promises great, uh, people talk about enhancing the user experience. There is no unbonding period, for example. But I want to, to hear your thoughts on liquid staking and how do you see it evolve in the future? And maybe what's the role of Quicksilver in that? Yeah, I think. Uh, I know it's a my question, opinion. right? Uh, so yeah. feel free to take the stage over, all right? I know it's a yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, so I think, like, okay, according to me, I think liquid staking in some ways is inevitable in proof of stake systems. Uh, and I know there's been a lot made about it in terms of security, uh, but there's always this like trade off that we walk you know, between security and sort of economic value creation. Uh, the most secure model would be if 100% of all assets were staked. Uh, yeah, but that's not really viable uh, in, in any realistic sense. So I think liquid staking is inevitable and on a broad scale in Cosmos for like the Cosmos economy to work. Uh, no, but there are challenges, and, and you know, there are challenges to uh, sort of work towards, uh, and, and that's something we should all do. Uh, in terms of like the role of Quicksilver, um, I like it that at this point there's Staking protocols in Cosmos, so we're definitely avoiding the situation where all stake lies with one protocol. So there's no like canonical Cosmos liquid staking protocol. Uh, you know that significantly distributes risk, in, in my opinion, uh, and it also significantly improves distribution. Like one of the things that liquid staking changes, I don't think this is one of the things that's less talked about is uh, how much it changes like the way stake is distributed. And again, I understand that this is talked about less because it's not an imminent problem per se. Your people are more concerned about like the imminent security risks that could emerge. Uh, but I think over the course of right over the course of some time, this this is actually like a substantial change to the incentives model in Cosmos. Uh, so again, in that sense, it's good that there's many distribution patterns for liquid staking. Like we have our own, uh, and, and other protocols might have their own. Uh, and that's great, right? So you have these multiple ways stake is being distributed. And I think that diversity of distribution patterns is always great. Absolutely, man. Uh, thanks for sharing. With uh, the prop that came out for the Atom Hub, I presume uh, the other zones that are will be onboarded at Genesis would be Osmo and Juno. So I presume those proposals will be coming soon after, 
or would that be in the new new year? Uh, so it'll probably be in the new year. Uh, again, with chain chain onboarding, we want to again take things in a very measured manner. Uh, we see no rush to onboard everything on day one. Uh, so yeah, we're we're probably going to over the course of Jan and Feb uh, onboard most of the other chains which are eligible to be onboarded, uh, and yeah, take it from there. And if you don't mind, uh, would you be able to elaborate a little more on uh, how the staking through Quicksilver works and maybe with more of a focus on uh, the derivative voucher, um, the Q asset? Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, like when you stake with Quicksilver, you get a Q asset in return. This is your derivative voucher. Uh, and the Q asset essentially accrues value over time. Uh, so as staking rewards accrue, uh, the value of your Q assets should theoretically increase. Uh, and this value is essentially created by its redeemability or claimability, right? Uh, basically, you can come to the Quicksilver protocol at any time uh, and claim your Q asset for the redemption rate. And this redemption rate is the rate, is essentially your principal asset plus the staking rewards it accrues. Um, so yeah, in, in that sense, the, a Q asset is like a constant value accruing uh, token. Okay. And uh, what is the difference between liquid staking on Quicksilver and staking it in terms of security uh, of a native zone? Do you mean like the difference between using Quicksilver and staking natively? Correct. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of security, like it's more of like a secondary. Thing because purely on the protocol level, yes, I mean, when you stake through Quicksilver, the native asset is being staked. Um, but there's a bunch of like secondary dependencies to look at, right? There's obviously the risk that you're going through a protocol. So if anything happens to the Quicksilver protocol, uh, I wouldn't say your assets are completely at risk, but uh, that's one element of risk to consider. Now, again, given that we are a sovereign chain and many of the other liquid staking protocols are sovereign chains, that's definitely a step in the right direction, I feel. Uh, smart contracts have had that tendency to be more vulnerable compared to sovereign chains, so that's good. Uh, so that's like one sort of dependency to take care of. And the second is the whole like redemption situation, right? Like there is a potential that uh, your Q asset at a particular point of time on the market might trade for lower than your principal plus your staking rewards. Uh, but again, one, I think stable swap pools will greatly improve this and a strong like arbitrage infrastructure would again prevent any serious DPEG of assets. Uh, so that's one element of it. Uh, yeah. Okay. And one um, misconception I found just talking among fellow cosmonauts at Cosmoverse, some people think that when you liquid stake, uh, you actually still earn the APR on the native staked token in addition to the additional yield you could earn somewhere else. But that's not the case, correct? Like if you choose to mint the Q asset, let's say Q Atom, uh, and you use that in another DeFi app or DEX, whatever it may be, you're not going to be accumulating that yield on the, the native token staked, correct? 
Uh, so you would be accumulating tokens on the, the, the yield of the native tokens. Okay. Uh, but on a user experience level, it's not going to be yield that will show up on your wallet every epoch and every block, right? Uh, it's going to be accrued in this token. So these gains are only realized when you unstake your token or, or if you sell your token at the right price, right? So in some senses, this is like unrealized gain, but it exists. Uh, one could be, I like to think about this. It's like, it's more like a vault and a key. So when you stake with Quicksilver, you put your assets in like a vault, so to say, and the queue asset is the key to that vault. So all the rewards that are being generated are accumulated in this vault. You might not see them in your wallet, initially and you know they might, may not be liquid in the sense that you, ca you can't take 20 percent of your rewards out uh, but they're being accumulated in this vault and when you choose to unlock that vault with your q asset uh, you realize your entire gain okay yes that makes sense that's interesting yeah. whenever they're locked does quicksilver do anything with those assets like that are um, accumulating or are they just there um, so these assets are staked uh, and th yeah. that's where the reward generated, right? So the Quicksilver protocol per se cannot do anything else with them. Uh, it's just this one interchain account which stakes these assets. Uh, so yeah. Awesome, thank you. Um, I I'd like to remind people in the audience to please share the space. Um, that way we can get some more people to to be on here to to listen to everything we're learning here about Quicksilver. My. Uh... Next question, I believe you did already answer this. Uh, users will be able to transfer their delegations directly into Quicksilver, correct? That's one of the biggest um, features that you guys promote and really sets you apart from competition uh, is the ability to not have to unbond, correct? So like users currently do have to unbond until the LSM comes around, uh, yeah, and you, when the LSM comes around, I take it that every liquid staking protocol will adopt it at some point. So the way it started with Quicksilver was that we were built as an LSM. Okay, maybe I should go into what the LSM is first. So the LSM is essentially like a module that Iclusions, uh, the Iclusions team and Zaki worked on. Uh, and this essentially lets you convert your stake into like a non-fungible voucher, right? So if I have 100 Atom delegated to Cosmos Spaces, and that's staked, I can essentially claim something of a non-fungible token on the stake position, and then I can deposit it into like a liquid staking protocol uh, and claim my Q atom off of that, right? Uh, so the Q atom would then be the fungible derivative, while the Cosmos Spaces delegation voucher would be like a non-fungible token. Um, so this is the LSM, right? And this was scheduled to come slightly earlier. I think now they've pushed it back to the next Cosmos upgrade. So when Quicksilver started building, uh, we were planning to be like an LSM first protocol. Like we didn't see a situation where people would not use the LSM and stay natively. Uh, so that's how we started building, but the LSM has that since then been substantially delayed on the Cosmos hub. So then we had to improvise for like regular, um, liquid staking, right? Essentially staking with your native assets, which requires people to unbond. Uh, so yeah, we're still waiting on the LSM for that. Okay. Do you have any ETA for that, LSM? Uh, so 
from what I hear, it's going to be in the next release, so the release right after Interchange Security in the Cosmos Hub, which might be early Feb. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I you expect timelines to be flimsy at this point, so I'd say Feb is a more realistic time. Sure, sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks. Yeah, uh, but again, this is only on the Cosmos Hub, right? Some chains might enable it sooner. Uh, like I know Juno is thinking about enabling it potentially sooner. Um, so yeah, there's all, all sorts of other chains with their own timelines. I was just curious, uh, reading through some of the Medium articles uh, for Quicksilver Zone, I noticed uh, there was a, a shift towards dependency on interchain accounts and interchain queries as well as dependency on the lsm uh, versus using ics and now uh, the plan is to leverage ics when v3 comes out would you be able to explain a little bit more of like the history or what happened uh, along the the way because uh, there are a bunch of articles and a couple of different fireside chats that you guys talked uh, spoke about that topic. Yeah, so when we initially start build, started building LSM, again, it was in very early stages, and it's something that looked very promising to us. And still, I, I think like it makes complete sense for Quicksilver to adopt LSM. Uh, but in its current state, there were a few issues. Like one, like one of the things that uh, you know we thought could be improved is the fact that. Uh, your stake essentially is distributed amongst all Cosmos Hub validators in their voting power. This means like the quick token could then be held by in large numbers by actors that have no relation, interest, or knowledge about Quicksilver. You could have centralized exchange validators be the largest holders of Quick, right? Um, and we weren't quite sure how this would play out with like the voting mechanism. Uh, so ICS is also coming with this thing called the democracy module. So your native token, like your ICS token, could still be used for some governance proposals, uh, but there wasn't much clarity on on what exactly. And given that you know there were these actors that could potentially accumulate a large amount of quick very early on, uh, you know we thought it's best not to do it just as yet as of yet. Uh, but you know this is an issue that the guys building ICS, the informal team, fully recognizes. Uh, and which is why they have this like dynamic roadmap, right? Of ICS V2 and V3, uh, which essentially, so what ICS V2 does is that it lets you choose a subset of the hub validators. So Quicksilver can go that hey, these are the validators that are aligned with Quicksilver, and you know we'd like for them to be uh, on the Quicksilver set. Um, so that's ICS V2, or at least how it was conceptualized. And ICS V3 was hey, we can run a Quicksilver validator set plus a Cosmos Hub validator set, uh, and both of them can supplement each other. So if you stake Atom, you could receive quick rewards. If you stake quick, you could also receive quick rewards. And it was like a dual setup, and that to us always sounded perfect, right? And that way we can leverage Cosmos Hub security while ensuring that the quick token and like the governance of the Quicksilver protocol stays within uh, interested parties of Quicksilver. Um, so yeah. That, that was our thinking around it. 
Delray, uh, did you have a question on that topic? I just want to make sure before I ask the next one. I'm still trying to wrap up my head around the governance by proxy stuff, but I guess that we can get into that later. So feel free to move forward, uh, Maureen. Yeah, that's uh, a little further down on my list of questions here, but uh, I was curious what, like, will there be an unbonding period to exit the protocol? I believe there will be, and how long is it? Yeah, so there will be an unbonding period to exit the protocol, and that unbonding period would just be what the unbonding period of the native chain is. Uh, so there'll be no change in that front. Uh, though if you wanted to exit, you could always do it through the market. So you could trade your Q atom for atom or, or anything else. Um, so those are, those are your two options of exit. Uh, but the most stable one is unbonding, and that would require you to go through the unbonding time. Okay, that's cool. That makes sense. And you, I think you mentioned before, uh, the chains being considered are basically like the ultimate goal of Quicksilver was to be a plug and play liquid staking. Um, and any chain who has a proposal written to enable uh, the liquid staking from Quicksilver, basically the community decides what chains are being considered, right? Yeah. Yeah, so like the, the plan was to be a, a plug and play liquid staking protocol. Uh, the only dependency for us is interchain accounts. So if a chain has interchain accounts enabled, uh, then yeah, we should be able to quite easily plug into them with a governance proposal. And now that we're on the talk of topic of governance, um, would you be able to explain a little bit more about uh, governance by proxy and how this is a is this a unique feature to liquid staking by by Quicksilver? Um, so I'm not quite sure. I think other liquid staking protocols might might. Uh, I would actually foresee that like all liquid staking protocols will build some iteration of proxy governance. Um, so I guess just to give a, a bit of context on our end, like we first wrote about like proxy governance thing back in Feb in our white paper when we started like figuring out how this could. Uh, be done. Um, so essentially, the core concept of governance by proxy was: Hey, how do we let holders of Q assets vote on native governance proposals? That was problem number one. Uh, and problem number number two was: Hey, how do we do this uh, with assets that are held on other chains? Right? Like, what if? Because it would be blatantly unfair to talk about how you can use your Q assets in DeFi and then say, Hey, you have to choose between DeFi and governance. You either hold your assets in the Quicksilver chain and vote with them, or you move them elsewhere and do DeFi with them. We didn't want that choice to be there. We wanted people to be able to vote while they while they had their assets in DeFi protocols. Uh, so yeah, that that's what we were working towards. You know, Vish, in, in that same line, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on why do you think it's important that people keep their governance rights while interacting with Cosmos. Yeah, I think it's like one of the very fundamental things of Cosmos proof of stake. Uh, where, like, I, I'd say a good chunk of the value of Cosmos tokens come from the fact that uh, you can vote with them and you can decide the future of the protocol. Uh, you know, I think there's no debate in the sense that 
Cosmos governance has been extremely active uh, and almost everyone participates in it. Uh, if you consider this back in 2018, 2019, when participation was much, much lower, uh, you know, this might not have made a lot of sense, but the way the Cosmos community has evolved, uh, governance has become like a key part of what makes Cosmos Cosmos, right? And there's a lot more innovation left to be done on the governance front. So keeping all of that in mind, the challenge with liquid staking then was, hey, we're promoting this alternative to regular staking, we're promoting this alternative uh, to your native staking. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if you can't then participate in governance, uh, you know, then one, like you'd see governance participation come down a fair bit as liquid staking proliferates. And it creates that trade-off, right? Do I stake my assets and use it for governance? Uh, or do I liquid stake them and do DeFi with it, right? And we didn't want this choice to be created essentially. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why um, all liquid staking implementations should have some consideration for governance. Absolutely, I agree. I was curious of, uh, about the choice of, uh, I mean, I totally support it. Uh, the unrestricted validator sets where stakeholders have the ability to choose to stake with any validator on Quicksilver, uh, which obviously promotes decentralization, as well as, could you elaborate further on the participation rewards? I just want to make sure that I understand it correctly. Like people who um, delegate to help promote decentralization and spread the balance of tokens and voting power throughout the validator set. Uh, does that mean that certain delegators are going to get more rewards or a higher yield based on the, the validator they select? And I guess, obviously, the validator they select would have to be voting on all proposals, uh, as well as maintaining uptime, not getting, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, is that is that true that certain delegators could earn more rewards based on who they're specifically delegated to, or is it uh, more rewards for people that delegate further down the set? So yeah, uh, that is true. Um, so I guess just to give like the context, the entire feature, uh, Quicksilver has this thing called signaling intent. Uh, okay, so I guess take it a step further. Like I think any liquid staking protocol has two layers to it. One is how do you stake the assets? And the second is how do how, do, how does the protocol distribute these, these assets? Uh, and we chose to do this thing called intents. So each account has an intent as to which validator the protocol should delegate to. Uh, so think of it as like a large scale election uh, happening every epoch on the Quicksilver protocol. Uh, and users, when they stake, uh, can set their intent, right? And they can even reset it later on. Uh, so one of our key thinkings around this was, hey, when liquid staking comes in, native token holders are going to lose sovereignty over voting power distribution. Currently, the how voting power is distributed in Cosmos, which essentially determines who produces blocks on the Cosmos hub, uh, is determined by atom holders or atom stakers. Uh, so we didn't want this to be lost to like an external liquid staking chain like Quicksilver. So we still wanted atom stakers to maintain uh, sovereignty over uh, over like how the Quicksilver protocol distributes stake in, in, on, on the Cosmos hub. Uh, so I guess that's one feature. 
uh, and then we were thinking about okay, how do we sort of incentivize people to uh, to delegate to better validate right? and the obviously the definition of better here is it starts with our very broad definition of it you know which is governance participation decentralization uptime things like that uh, but I expect it to evolve you know over time and a quick governance you know is free to change that definition um, so the fundamental mechanism was that the Quicksilver protocol calculates these things and creates like a score of sorts uh, and ranks validators. Uh, again, this ranking doesn't impact how the protocol distributes stakes in any way. That's still determined by intent, right? That's still user choice at the end of the day. Uh, but, you know, a, a percentage of inflation would be given out uh, to people who, who delegate along the lines of these parameters, right? So if I delegate to smaller validators who participate in governance and have great uptime, I would probably get more quick rewards than uh, if I delegate to like a centralized exchange validator or some uh, or some other actor like that. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of our thinking around that. Okay. I think uh, the next question I had here uh, will there be reward auto compounding on the protocol, and if so, how will that work? Uh, so yeah, like there is auto compounding with with your liquid staking assets. So every epoch, uh, the Quicksilver protocol claims your rewards and auto compounds them, so restakes them. Uh, so you could expect to earn, earn a slightly higher APR through Quicksilver liquid staking than regular staking. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Um, next, I would love to get into some of the to tokenomics uh, for Quicksilver, unless Eric or Delray has a question they want to ask. Oh, yeah, bro. Um, yes, please. Oh, can you maybe share or some of the first projects that you see are starting to be built on Quicksilver? Right. So, again, I, I'll. <laughs> so, I, I, again, I don't have any preference, and I think there's a bunch of rightful debate around this, and it'll really depend on uh, how the market is looking a few months down the line. Uh, but some of the things that I'm personally excited about are one, uh, lending implementations which use the LSM and interchain accounts. Uh, so, you know, so things that you know, use tokenized shares, like lending protocols, which use tokenized shares as a means of settlement. Uh, that's something that could be interesting uh, to be built on Quicksilver. Uh, and sort of the second area that I'm also personally quite excited about is the kind of governance innovation that can happen on Quicksilver, right? Um, you could theoretically have people build governance aggregators. Uh, you know, someone can say, hey, you can delegate your voting power or your governance power uh, to me, uh, and I, I can cast votes in your behalf, right? There's many people in the community who do a lot of research who have this kind of say, but maybe do not have a validator or, or the voting power to justify any meaningful governance influence. Uh, so this could potentially start being built on the liquid staking layer too, right? So that's something I'm personally quite excited about. 
really cool. I uh, was reading in one of the articles too that uh, a path you guys are exploring is a potential uh, reserve currency for the Cosmos ecosystem. I was yeah, just so wondering. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so like, yeah, like one of the problems that we also I wanted to solve was the fact that uh, there's no way to cu- currently buy into the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, uh, you know, you have to buy your individual tokens, which comes with its own sort of token tokenomic shenanigans. Uh, and many might not want to take that risk. Like if you want to bet singularly on the entire Cosmos ecosystem, uh, there's no decent way to do it. Now, yes, you could build an index, uh, but for an index to gain any serious amount of liquidity, it has to use staked assets, right? Uh, because if you deposit native assets on it, uh, there is an opportunity cost. You could be staking these assets instead of depositing it in an index. Um, so that was one thing that we thought we were in a good position to solve, uh, simply because the Quicksilver Zone will be minting all of these staked assets uh, and has a record of all these staked assets across other chains through the claims we submit. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something we'd be working on. Uh, but again, like it's something that we're going to see what the market looks like in a few months down the line. Like if someone else is working on it, that's well and good. You know, then we'd probably work on bringing something else. Uh, you know, but if it doesn't exist, we, that's a problem that we definitely wanted to solve. So right now, to my knowledge, and anyone can correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe there is a team. Uh, I don't know who the individuals are, but the token has been. Uh, there was a proposal in the Ion DAO. Uh, for the name of uh, the index token for the Cosmos. Uh, and they are actually currently working on a basket of assets. It doesn't, it's yeah. not uh, all of the Cosmos assets in one, but uh, I believe it was a curated list. And um, the Ion DAO has voted on it. And the, the name of the token is IBCX. Uh, yeah. So I yeah. do believe there are a team of people working towards uh, an index, but not the one that you described as a reserve currency of every single, uh, you know, Cosmos chains assets in one where I think yeah. that would be the, the end goal. If you want to get an index token created for this ecosystem. Uh, and also in that article, you touched upon area specific indexes, which I think is really cool. Uh, examples like privacy focused assets, uh, environmental or impact based assets, et cetera, could be bundled into uh, its own index. Uh, therefore people can pick and choose and not uh, uh, have to be, you know, uh, not forced, but only have the one option, which I think is very interesting. And uh, if IBCX doesn't go that route, I think there's still potential there for you guys to make something with that idea. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think like one of the other things, again, correct me if I'm wrong, I've only very briefly looked into IBCX. Uh, one of the other like things I think that's missing is using staked assets. Uh, yeah, because you you ideally want your assets to be staked while uh, they're a part of an index. So that's step number one. And step number two is also having your assets in DeFi while they're in an index. So can I have a staked asset on an os- locked in an osmosis pool that is then created an index out of, right? Uh, Currently, that doesn't exist. If IBCX team is working towards that end, then you know we'd be more than happy to work with them. Uh, but yeah, 
I, uh, the next question I had pertains to slashing risk mitigation and the socialization risk, if you don't mind uh, talking about that briefly. Yeah, so this is, again, the second layer that all liquid staking protocols have to deal with on some level, which is, hey, how do we mitigate slashing risk? Now, if you look at like the Lido perspective of how, or how they've done it on Ethereum, they've created like a whitelist of validators that they vet uh, very rigorously uh, and they just ensure that these validators never get slashed and hence there, there is no slashing risk, right? Uh, or the slashing risk is minimized then by the team. Uh, you know, we thought this is probably not the greatest way to go ahead with this in Cosmos. Uh, so our approach is essentially spread the stake as much as possible and let the users spread it. Uh, and the users then determine your uh, risk. Users then determine how much risk that the entire protocol takes. So again, to give some context, every liquid staking protocol has to socialize their risk with all, all validators. So if one validator in a liquid staking set gets slashed, everyone experiences that slash, right? Uh, so then what we were thinking about is, okay, how do we minimize the sort of slashing risk? And one of the best ways we thought to do it was, hey, if, if we let sort of users delegate validators, if we let sort of let users delegate to, or, or choose the voting power of validators on the, on the chain, uh, then you'd have a distribution, right? So instead of each validator having an equal amount of stake, you'd have a distribution. So if someone on the lower end of the distribution gets slashed, uh, then the absolute slashing experience by everyone would be very low. Uh, and, and then sort of users can gauge uh, you know, which validators have uptime, which validators are less likely to get slashed and and make those choices appropriately. Now, obviously, the participation rewards algorithm assists you in making this choice. Like it tells you, in a sense, which validators have not got slashed, which validators have good uptime, the track record, and things like that. And we're also working on like more detailed sort of analytics on the front end. So you could open a validators tab, and that will show you all the information you need to make choices like this. So we thought this was the best way to actually mitigate slashing risk. Uh, and like another thing to keep in mind is that, uh, you know, in, in Cosmos, you, you have relatively low slashing parameters. As of now, it's like, uh, so distributing into a wide set of validators actually works, right? Uh, but what we didn't want happening is if we, say, chose 20 validators and distributed all stake equally amongst them, uh, and one of them got slashed, uh, then the impact on the entire set would be substantially higher compared to if we delegated every single validator, uh, you and a validator at, at the middle or at the bottom got slashed. Uh, that, that slashing impact would be substantially lower uh, on the entire chain. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. Uh, thank you for explaining. Uh, and if you don't mind, uh, do you mind briefly explaining the reward socialization as well? Uh, so yeah, uh, the, the reward socialization works in the same way, right? If you remember the analogy I told you earlier about the vault and key. Um, yes, yeah. Like everybody has their, their vault and all these vaults are socialized, right? So there's this grand vault which keeps accruing all these rewards and your key lets you claim your portion of the reward. So 
if uh, like if the Cosmos Hub APR changes or if stake percentage changes, which leads to higher APR, everyone experiences that. Uh, you know, if they're slashing, everyone experiences that, and that's simply because there's one grand pool which accrues all rewards, right? And your Q asset acts as a key to your share of that grand pool. Uh, so yeah, so in that way, all rewards are socialized. Okay. The, the next topic I wanted to bring up was the staking reward fees. Uh, how are those collected and distributed? Yeah, so I think as of now, again, I have to check. So it's around 2.5% and this is like a governance parameter. So quick token holders can change this fee at any point of time. Uh, and this fee is distributed to quick stakers. Uh, so the, the way we want to position is it is if you stake quick, sure, you receive your quick staking rewards, but you also receive rewards in other denominations. So, you know, as you stake quick, you can passively gain Atom or Osmo, Juno, and you know, any other Cosmos, uh, Cosmos asset that we onboard. Uh, so in that sense, staking quick would be like gaining quick exposure to like the entire Cosmos ecosystem. That's interesting. And do you uh, know the approximate APR that would start out once uh, people are able to start staking? Um, do you mean APR on like the liquid staking or quick staking? The, the quick staking. Right. So I assume it would be somewhere in the 60s. So maybe 60 or 70%. Uh, but again, keeping in mind that this will depend on total stake supply. Uh, so stake supply is very high, staking API would be low. Uh, stake supply is very low, staking API would be high. So on day one, you'd probably see a much, much higher staking API than 60 something percent. Uh, but that's where I expect it to stabilize around. Okay. And while. Uh... We're talking about uh, the quick token. What would the primary or primary functions of the Quicksilver token be? Yeah, so the quick token in, in many ways is like a standard Cosmos token in the sense that uh, it's a staking and governance token. Uh, so you can stake quick to secure the Quicksilver chain uh, and gain staking rewards on that. Uh, and you can vote on any proposals on the Quicksilver chain. Um, so that's your standard Cosmos function. Um, I guess then the other thing would also be this this passive gain of the Cosmos ecosystem where you stay quick and you get rewards airdropped to you every three days in Atom and Osmo and Juno. So all revenue generated by the protocol uh, is distributed back uh, to quick stakers. Uh, so that's like another uh, value prop of, of Quicksilver. Okay. Okay. Um, I think the next question I had here was what percentage of the token supply will be allocated to airdrops? I think you mentioned before that was 50% of the token supply. Yeah, so it's 50% of the token supply, which would be given out to community incentives. Uh, again, so there's this thing called the incentives pool where this 50% would go to. Uh, and then Governance can sort of decide how much of that we need to give to liquidity incentives, how much of that we need to give as airdrops uh, per se. 
Um, so yeah, but it would be 50% given as incentives to the community. And will, uh, oh, Delray, if you had a question, go ahead. Yeah, real quickly, uh, just to clarify, it's the 50% of the whole Quicksilver supply or the 50% of the Genesis supply? So it's 50% of the Genesis supply, uh, but a, a part of inflation also goes to the incentives pool. Uh, I think it was something like 30% or maybe slightly lower. Uh, but again, this is also a governable parameter. So initially, it's 50% of the Genesis supply, and this incentives pool keeps getting topped up uh, by inflation every epoch. All right, okay. Uh, I think in a question a lot of people were wondering too was, uh, will users who liquid stake through Quicksilver be eligible for other airdrops? Uh, so basically, if there's an airdrop and part of the criteria was holding a specific amount of Atom or Osmo or Juno, uh, are they still eligible for these airdrops if they have minted the Q asset in the respective chain and are using DeFi uh, apps elsewhere? Uh, so the answer to this is that it, it depends on the airdrop itself. Um, what we're working on is providing tooling for airdrop providers to include Q assets as regular state assets. Uh, and you know, potentially Q assets on every single chain, right? So you could have your assets locked in an osmosis pool earning rewards uh, and it being considered for like an airdrop snapshot. So we will provide that tooling, uh, which lets airdrop providers count us in. Uh, and you know, we're going to aggressively pursue everyone doing an airdrop to make sure you know, they get Q assets involved. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, that decision uh, is made by the airdrop provider. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. I have a couple questions from the community here, if you, you don't mind, if Eric and Delray don't have any other questions right now. Uh, the first one I have here, uh, what are your thoughts on mesh security and do you think that is ever a possibility for Quicksilver? Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. Uh, I, again, I guess going back to the favorite Cosmos page, uh, the favorite uh, presentation, I, I really enjoyed Sonny's mesh security presentation. Uh, yeah, I, I think it is a very interesting concept. It would be, again, interesting to see how that pairs up with ICS v3 uh, and how there could be potential synergies there. But I think the market in general for security uh, is evolving quite rapidly, right? Uh, interchain security, like a few months ago, interchain security was uh, sort of the only security mechanism or the security market out there. You know, but now we have mesh security, you have Terra's working on their own alliance stuff. Uh, so yeah, that market is definitely evolving and something we'd be definitely keeping an eye on. Uh, but we're really open to uh, you know, to sort of try out these security mechanisms that are coming up. And uh, if it relates to that last question at all, uh, in your opinion, how scalable is interchain security? Uh, just because some community members have concerns over the scalability. Yeah, I think the scalability is definitely a challenge. Uh, 
you know, in the sense, and, and the scalability issue also leads to like a centralization issue because you have many small validators that now could potentially get slashed if they don't participate, if they don't run nodes in multiple chains and they just might not have the bandwidth or the resources to run nodes in all of these chains, right? So they're essentially excluded from uh, the Cosmos Hub set. Uh, though this does improve a bit with ICS v2 and v3, uh, you're given that only a small subset of uh, validators can participate, right? So if a smaller validator wants to stay in the Cosmos Hub set, they don't need to run nodes for dozens of different chains. They can just run nodes for two, three, four, or how many ever they can manage, right? Uh, but I don't think that's a perfect solution still, because you know people would obviously delegate to those validators who can run on every single ICS chain so they can get the most amount of rewards. Uh, and these validators would consequentially be validators who can afford to run nodes in all of these chains. So I think this is a very active problem to solve. Uh, I think definitely one of the big scalability challenges I see. Uh, and obviously this might then tie into the whole mesh security situation, right? Uh, you know, maybe some validators, or, uh, some chains and validators would find their bread and butter there, while Cosmos Hub then becomes uh, this one ICS chain with maybe 10, 20 core uh, ICS child chains running on it. Uh, that could potentially be a direction for the Cosmos Hub, but something to think about for sure. So in the future, is Quicksilver still planning on uh, leveraging ICS even with those potential issues? Uh, so the way I see it is I expect some of these issues to be addressed in like the V2, V3 releases. Um, like we definitely are communicating these issues. Like we're in talks with the informal team. Uh, and again, like ICS V2 and V3 are... A, a, bit ways off. You know, I don't expect them to come in 2023. Uh, so there's a lot of time to work on this. They're currently in like the sort of design phase for it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I hope, you know, they solve many of these issues and uh, yeah, I guess that that would be a, like a decision to make down the line, especially given the security market. Uh, and again, a decision for the quick governance to make, right? Uh, the quick governance at one point can look around, see what the best security offering is and you know, make it pick. Awesome. Thank you. I'm just reading through the last couple of questions here from the community. I do believe this was already answered. However, if you don't mind uh, answering it again, uh, one of the community questions is how will voting rights work? Will users be able to keep their voting rights or maybe even be able to delegate those rights by proxy? Right. So, um, the whole like keeping your voting rights thing, which is governance by proxy, uh, we're, we're building that feature out. You know, we have a good chunk of it done in the sense that we have the claims part of it sorted out, which is, is sort of the larger challenge. Uh, so yes, you would be able to vote with your Q atoms at one point. Uh, and the whole like delegating your voting power to someone else, uh, something I'm very, I'm personally very excited about and probably something that would happen on like the Cosmosm layer. So, you know, as I was saying earlier, uh, you know, it could be like something people can build on Quicksilver, or you can deploy a contract which lets people delegate their voting power to you. Uh, so yeah, it is possible. Uh, 
just waiting for someone to build it. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I think unless Eric or Delray have any other questions, I believe that's it for the community questions. Unless anybody in the audience would like to come up here and speak, uh, just make a request. And uh, while I wait, if anybody wants to request to come up, uh, the last thing I wanted to ask basically is um, before we go to our closing remarks, what would you highlight as the, the differences between the Quicksilver liquid staking protocol and its competition and what kind of sets you apart from them and why uh, Quicksilver should be the main liquid staking protocol for the Cosmos in the future? Right. Okay, so I'll probably start by saying that I don't think anyone is going to be the main liquid staking provider. Uh, and I primarily think this is because of the LSM. Uh, like LSM lets you transfer. So okay, if you look at liquid staking protocols and other ecosystems, they have been very sticky. So once you stake with a liquid staking protocol, you don't move. And which is why Lido was able to rise meteorically and Ethereum and stay that way. Uh, but in Cosmos, that's not going to happen, right? People can move their stake from one liquid staking protocol to the other instantly and back. Um, so it, it's going to be much more in a state of flux, I believe. Um, so that aside, I think one of the differentiators is on the distribution layer. And this is something each liquid staking protocol will differentiate in, right? So Quicksilver uses signaling intent, which lets native token holders have a say over voting power distribution. Right. Um, so I guess if you want to put it simply, it lets you signal which validator you want the protocol to delegate to. So that I think is a big differentiator for Quicksilver. I don't think, as far as I'm aware, any other liquid staking protocol is going down that path. Uh, I think like another differentiator potentially is a Cosmosm and what we plan to do with it. Um, yeah, so people can deploy contracts on Quicksilver. While I don't think other liquid staking protocols are pursuing that direction, though I think actually persistence might be, uh, but they have a different set of priorities. Uh, I think how all this would play out is that at Genesis, all liquid staking protocols will look similar. And you know, obviously there are key differences in terms of how we distribute stake and things like that. Uh, but they do all look pretty similar, right? Uh, but I think as time goes on, each of us will pursue our own paths. You know, I think all liquid staking protocols are constantly going to be building new things. Uh, and we'd sort of diverge from there on, right? So yeah, I think that's the path most liquid staking protocols can take. And now that the LSM is here, users can move their assets from protocol A to B and B to C relatively quickly. So, you know, you have this constant state of stake moving around, people building things that leading to more stake moving around and yeah fun 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 times ahead yes indeed uh it's pretty surreal how much uh liquidity can be unlocked that's locked right now uh and and used throughout the cosmos ecosystem via this protocol as well as the others and it'll be really interesting to see the impact long term as the protocols get built out and are enabled on more and more chains and uh, yeah, the future is exciting in the cosmos.
Eric and Delray, do you guys have any other questions or is it okay to move into the closing remarks here? Oh yeah, I would like to, this one basically is, is more related with you than Quicksilver. And what is something that you would advise to builders and developers that are trying to create something right now? I ask you because you know, you're a Quicksilver co-founder, maybe you're involved since the beginning and, and going through the whole process until mainnet launch. Uh, I believe you have, I don't know, maybe, you know, one, you know, one, a thing or two, right? Uh, so if you could share uh, maybe a piece of advice for people trying to create something right now during this time in the market. Yeah, I think like it, it might in some ways be discouraging to try to ship something, it, you know, in the currently pretty grim situation. Uh, but I think, you know, the best things are built, uh, built in conditions like this. So I think like, the advice would be like, keep your head down and keep building. Uh, you know, I, I've personally interacted with so many projects that are building part-time even, right? Uh, and you know, they're doing just fine. You know, sure, I understand currently getting capital. It's very difficult. So, you know, people have, have already started building within what spare time they have. And yeah, I think, you know, if if new projects, they keep this up, uh, you don't have something to show for, you know, 2023, 2024. Uh, like there's no rush, right? Like we're not going anywhere. The Cosmos ecosystem is not going anywhere. Uh, you know, there's a lot of room for growth for all of us. Uh, and, you know, all of us can sort of win. Uh, so yeah, I'd say just keep your head down, build at your own pace. You know, sort of do your own thing. And yeah, I think, uh, you know, when everything comes back, which it will, uh, there's, there's a lot to be gained. Absolutely. So... Um... Before we close out, I just wanted to ask you, Vish, if there's anything else you would like to share with the audience, anything that's upcoming on the roadmap or just maybe the next update to look out for uh, in terms of any future releases and liquidity and incentives coming to Quicksilver soon. Uh, yeah, I think like on the whole roadmap front, uh, as we've like iterated before, we're taking a very slow and measured approach. You know, it's the end of the year. Um, everyone's in a more relaxed mood. Uh, and yeah, I guess, uh, you know, keep following Quicksilver. You know, we're definitely going to engage. There's a lot of also research-related stuff coming out. You know, if you guys are interested yeah, in that kind of stuff, uh, definitely writing. Uh, and yeah, early Jan, to watch out um, <laughs> Quicksilver. It's definitely going to be more loud then. Yeah, I've noticed you guys have been much more active on Twitter lately. We love to see that. Uh, I always am interested in anything you guys have to share. Yeah, yeah, will do. And, and thanks a lot for having me here. It's you know, always a pleasure doing the Twitter space with you guys. Um, well, thank you for your time. Uh, we know it's uh, the morning there right now. So good morning. And uh, good evening to everyone else here. Thank you all for coming. Uh, we really appreciate your time again, Vish. Uh, we know you're a busy man. So um, congratulations once again on Mainnet Launch. And we're honored that you chose us to host the first celebration in spaces uh, after Genesis. And again, we are very grateful to be one of the Genesis validators. So little round of applause again.
So, uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks again to everybody that came out. And unless anybody in the audience has a question they're dying to ask Vish, I think we will close out on that. And uh, I hope everyone has a great night and take care. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Cosmos Spaces, Quicksilver, Mainnet Launch Celebration, and AMA. Recorded on Monday, December 19th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to Terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now, with Spark IBC enabled. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way Resuscitating major players in the waiting room Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news To let us know what we should believe as the latest truth Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handing reports in the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the latch, letting rhythm scratch Dope shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed Big drip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastise into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at their dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Spaces.